0: Other side at midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morning, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. Here's a nickel's worth of free advice for New York City's Mayor Eric Adams. So, I read this opinion piece in City and State by Lauren Ashcraft and Justin Cohen. Both of them are members of the Democratic Socialists of America. Lauren Ashcraft identifies herself as a Democratic Socialist and former congressional candidate. Justin Cohen is a Brooklyn-based activist and community organizer. I'll spare you the details of the entire column, but the headline is Adams replaces school funding with gaffes and prayer. And it goes on to say, as the mayor's talking points validate the instincts of a large and likely growing supermajority, progressives need to start planning a credible challenge to defeat him in 2025. It is clear, not only because of Adams and his remarks about crime, but because of what he said about religion, what he said about school funding, what he said about charter schools and other areas, that the progressives are going to be gunning for him in a big way come 2025. Will they be successful? Will they not be successful? I think that largely depends on who they run, how quickly they organize, and what kind of support that person has. But there's a very real chance that they may be, because the folks that tend to vote in Democratic Party primaries are the absolute most extreme voters there are. That's why Eric Adams could do one thing tomorrow to take away this obvious, threat, this obvious and very real threat. The mayor needs to appoint a charter revision commission to put the question of nonpartisan elections on the ballot this year. Bloomberg tried some version of it 20 years ago. Rudy Giuliani had charter revision commissions that explored it as well. Adams has indicated he's in favor of it. Jamani Williams has indicated he's in favor of it. This will allow all voters, not just Democrats, to have a say in the mayoral race and not have the 2020 contest dominated by the most extreme elements of the Democratic or Republican Party. Mayor Adams needs to put nonpartisan elections on the ballot pronto. Beam me up. To be continued. The other side of midnight. Local spotlights. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. Are you familiar with Heart Island? Well, Heart Island is a potter's field where New York City has buried its unclaimed dead for more than a century. And we still bury people who have no heirs there or who are unknown or who have no family or whose identities are unknown to the tune of about 11 Hundred per year. Well, now, in a remarkable break with de- a decades-old policy of keeping Heart Island burials secretive and its graves unseen, the Parks Department is opening New York's most forbidden place up to public access. I think this is great news. So in the coming months, the dead will share the island with nature classes and guided tours under the department's Weekend Adventurers series, which will be led by urban park rangers. They'll be canoeing, they'll be hiking, they'll be archery, they'll be fishing jaunts, and what I'm hoping, and I think this is in the offing in the long term, maybe not in the short term, is that ultimately you will be able to visit the graves themselves. Hopefully, while I don't think you'll see people people playing soccer and doing recreational activity in front of uh, headstones. I think you will see a day soon where the island will be a visitable cemetery like Greenwood in Brooklyn or Woodlawn in the Bronx. Hart Island is an important part of New York City history and there's a lot of people for religious reasons or who discover that they might know someone that was buried there may have a spiritual or family reason or other reason to visit Island. Island and visit the people that are buried there. And I think they should have that opportunity. Ultimately, this is a public island that the city of New York owns. New Yorkers have a right to visit it, in my opinion. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. If I had to pick the statewide elected official that i trust more than any other it would have to be the new york state controller Tom DiNapoli. And while I think Governor Kathy Hochul's budget does a number of good things, namely on bail reform, according to DiNapoli, the governor's proposed budget may understate the effects of an impending recession and shields too much state money from public scrutiny. So this report by the state controller, Tom DiNapoli, is his first comprehensive look at Governor Kathy Hochul's executive budget, which was released in February and is now being scrutinized by state lawmakers as we rapidly approach that April 1st budget deadline. DiNapoli did praise some aspects of the $227 billion plan, including its allocation of billions of dollars into the state's rainy day reserves. That's certainly a positive. But he raised transparency concerns around budget provisions that exempt about $12.8 billion from competitive bidding processes or oversight from his own office. Think about that. 12. .8 billion dollars without competitive bidding. Who's going to get that money? Something tells me if Governor Hochul has her way, it'll be campaign donors of hers. The same way they were the beneficiary of COVID testing contracts. The same way they were the beneficiary of a lot of money for the Buffalo Bills Stadium. The same way they were the beneficiary of money for the Monticello Racetrack. This is bad news. That includes a $6 billion appropriation by the governor's office to cover COVID-19 services such as personnel, equipment, and travel costs. Additionally, the governor apparently takes a much too optimistic view of where the economy is headed, especially in light of some people's contention that we are headed towards a major recession. So great work by the state controller, Tom DiNapoli. I think our lawmakers in Albany would be well advised to heed his warnings on this one. Beam me up. To be In an absolutely stunning case that just about every criminal justice expert worth their salt is calling extraordinarily lenient sentence, a federal judge has actually ordered a former Rensselaer County jail officer to serve six weekends, weekends, of jail time for sexually abusing a female prisoner repeatedly in 2018. The prisoner is... Sean Morrissey, an ex-jail officer who wept and apologized for his crime while reading from a sheet of paper, and he was given the punishment by senior U.S. District Judge Glenn Sudeby, a one-time U.S. attorney for the 32-county Northern District of New York that covers the Capital Region. The judge, who had earlier sentenced a teacher to 19 years in prison for the sexual abuse of a student under her watch that same day, I believe, told Morris. He did not want him to lose his job as a commercial truck driver. The judge then sentenced Marcy to six weekends, two a month, at the Oneida County Jail, one of only two lockups that accepts such arrangements. The judge said Marcy will report to the jail at 6 p.m. on Fridays and stay there until 6 p.m. on Sundays. The judge also sentenced Marcy to three years probation and a $2,000 fine. This is... Absolutely horrifying... The victim here was incredibly vulnerable because she was under the custody and care of a correction officer. The sentence imposed by Sudeby seemed to be not in the realm of reality for preying upon a vulnerable victim like this. And it doesn't serve the goal of general deterrence. I mean, imagine if you're a jail guard in New York state or in any state, because this is a federal judge. I mean, what stops you from sexually abusing a prisoner in your care? Oh, if you get caught caught or you're going to have all you're going to have to do is go to jail on the weekend. This is absolutely shameful and confounding. I don't know what this judge was thinking. Beam me up, to be continued.